part three chapters twelve and thirteen of bessie's fortune by mary jane holmes this librivox recording is in the public domain twelve bessie's successor with the morrow the new housemaid came but miss macpherson was too anxious about her niece to observe more than that the girl was fresh and bright and clean with a wonderful brogue and a clear ringing voice miss betsy had called the village doctor who after carefully examining his patient said she was suffering either from nervous prostration or malaria he could not tell which until he had seen her again then prescribing quinine for the latter and perfect rest for the former he left just as the new girl appeared and with her volubility and energy seemed to fill the house as quickly as possible miss betsy got her into the kitchen and then went to her niece's room i must have been asleep bessie said for i dreamed that i heard jenny's voice and i was so glad that it woke me and i thought i heard it again she was the irish girl who was so kind to me on the ship you remember i told you of her yes miss betsy replied i think you liked her very much oh yes very very much and i would give a great deal to see her again i believe i should get well at once there is something so strong and hearty about her to this miss macpherson made no reply but all the rest of the morning she seemed very restless and excited and was constantly hushing the new girl whom she once bade the cook to gag if she could not quiet her in any other way i have a sick niece upstairs and you will disturb her she said to the girl who replied and sure thin mum i'll whisper but her whisper seemed to penetrate everywhere and miss macpherson was glad when at last the toast and tea and jelly intended for bessie's dinner were ready upon the tray which she bade the girl take upstairs to the young lady whose room was at the end of the hall and indeed i'd take off my shoes and go in me stockin feet to be quiet and it's never a word i'll speak the girl said as she started on her errand while her mistress listened at the foot of the stairs miss macpherson was prepared for a demonstration of some sort but did not quite expect what followed for the moment the girl stepped into the room bessie sprang up with a loud glad cry oh jenny jenny where did you come from i am so glad there was an answering cry of surprise and joy and then the tray with everything upon it went crashing to the floor while jenny exclaimed and be jabbers the plather and the taze all one smashed together in me fright at seem you here before me when it's meself was going to ask her to take you may the saints be praised if it's not the happiest day since i left ireland and bending over bessie the impulsive irish girl kissed her again and again talking and laughing and crying until bessie said to her there jenny please i am very tired and your sudden coming has taken my strength away she did look very white and faint and jenny saw it and tried to be calm though she kept whispering to herself as she gathered up the debris on the floor and with a most rueful expression took it downstairs saying to her mistress in faith it's a bad beginning i've made mum but sure and i'll pay you every farthing with me first wages and now if you please i'll do up my foot for it's blistered that it is with the bill and tay the foot was cared for and another tray of toast and tea prepared this miss betsy took herself to bessie explaining that jenny was the cousin who had come to take her former housemaid's place but i had no idea she said that she was such a behemoth i am afraid she will not answer my purpose at all but bessie pleaded for the girl whose kindness of heart she knew and who she felt sure could be moulded and softened by careful and judicious training and that afternoon when jenny came up to her she told her that her aunt did not like a noise and that she must be very quiet and gentle if she wished to please jenny listened to her open-eyed and when she was through responded is it quiet she wants 
i told her i would whisper and faith i will for i'm bound to stay with you and get me ten shillings a week the case seemed hopeless and jenny might have lost her place but for the serious illness which came upon bessie taking away all her vitality and making her weak and helpless as a child it was then that jenny showed her real value and by her watchful tenderness and untiring devotion more than made amends for all her awkwardness day after day and night after night she stayed in the sick-room ministering to bessie as no one else could have done lifting her tenderly in her strong arms and sometimes walking with her up and down the large chamber into which she had been carried when the physician said her sickness might be of weeks duration for she was suffering from all the fatigue and worry of the last two years when the strain upon her nerves had been so great all through the remaining weeks of summer and the september days which followed bessie lay in her bed scarcely noticing anything which was passing around her and saying to her aunt when she bent over her asking how she felt tired so tired and it is nice to rest and so the days went by and everybody in allington became interested in the young girl whom few had seen but of whom a great deal was told by mrs rossiter brown whose carriage often stood at miss macpherson's door bringing sometimes the lady herself and sometimes augusta who had returned from saratoga and was busy with preparations for her wedding which was to take place in october lord hardy who had come from the west and established himself at the ridge house called several times and left his card which miss macpherson promptly burned she did not like lord hardy he was just a fortune-hunter she said and cared no more for augusta brown than he did for her except that augusta was the younger of the two and she could not forget how he had looked smirking and mincing by the side of archie's wife at aberystwyth poor weak daisy who but for him might not have gone so far astray as she did for bessie's sake miss macpherson was almost ready to forgive poor daisy as she always called her now when thinking of her for bessie's sake she felt that she could do a great deal that was contrary to her nature but she could not feel kindly disposed toward neil for immediately after the receipt of her letter to his mother containing two hundred and fifty pounds and the announcement that she intended to take bessie as her own child neil had written her a long penitent letter blaming himself as a coward and telling of his remorse and regret for the past and saying that unless he was forbidden to do so he should come to america in september and renew his offer to bessie this letter miss macpherson read with sundry expressions of disgust and then taking from its peg her sun-hat almost as large as a small umbrella she started for the telegraph office and several hours later neil macpherson in london was reading the following laconic dispatch from ellington stay at home and mind your own business betsy macpherson perhaps i did wrong to send it for maybe the girl likes him after all the spinster thought as she walked back to her house but it was too late now and for the next two or three days she was too anxious to think of anything except bessie who was much worse and seemed so weak and unconscious of everything that the physician looked very grave and the clergyman came at miss macpherson's request and said the prayers for the sick but bessie did not hear them for she lay like one in a deep sleep scarcely moving or seeming to breathe before leaving the room the clergyman went softly to the bedside to look at the sick girl wondering much at the likeness in her face to someone he had seen before and wondering too why it should remind him of hannah gerald and the night when he went in the wintry storm to hear her father's confession poor hannah he said to himself as he left the house and walking slowly across the common to the churchyard sat down upon a bench near a headstone which bore this inscription sacred to the memory of martha beloved wife of the rev charles sanford who died january first eighteen hundred blank blessed are the dead who die in the lord 
since we last saw him years ago the reverend charles sanford had grown an old man though he was scarcely sixty-three an age when many men are in their prime there was a stoop in his shoulders as if the burden of life were heavy and his hair was white as snow while upon his face was a look which only daily discipline patiently borne can ever write upon the human visage and patiently had he borne it until he almost forgot that he was bearing it and then one day it was removed and by the lightness and freedom he felt he knew how heavy it had been poor martha he said to himself as he glanced at his shining coat-sleeves and the spot on the knee of his pants which was almost threadbare and at his boots which certainly had not been blacked that day poor martha what would she say if she could see these clothes which though they may not look well are very comfortable then as his eye rested upon the word beloved he continued is that a lie i wonder which that marble is telling to the world if so it is martha's fault for she wrote her own epitaph just as she ordered all the details of her funeral and what preceded it it was a strange fancy of hers to ask that hannah should lay her out poor martha devoted would have been better than beloved though god knows i tried to do my best by her and with a sigh both for what had been and what might have been the rector arose and started for his home meeting at the gate of gray's park with gray himself who was in allington for the first time since his return from europe lucy had come up a few days before and had been at once to see bessie of whose illness she had written to gray and that had brought him as soon as he could leave his mother gray my boy how are you the rector said offering his hand which gray took saying as he did so how is she this morning mr sandford did not know that gray had ever seen or heard of bessie macpherson but something told him that he meant her and he replied very weak and sick poor girl she is too young to die mr sandford and gray spoke with great vehemence you do not think bessie will die she must not die and in his voice and manner there was something which betrayed his secret to the older man who said to him i hope not gray god knows pray for her my boy pray earnestly prayer can move a mountain or at least make a way through it pray for the girl you call bessie to one accustomed as gray was to take everything however small to god prayer was an easy thing and every thought was a prayer as he walked rapidly toward miss macpherson's house she is sleeping now miss bessie said to him we trust she will be better when she wakens it is rest she needs more than anything else she has had a hard life so far you have seen a great deal of her i believe i cannot say i have seen a great deal of her though i feel as though i had known her always yes she has had a hard life you do not think she will die was gray's reply and in his face and voice miss betsy detected what the rector had discovered no she said i do not believe she will die sit down and wait till she is awake so gray sat down and waited three hours during which time the train which would have taken him back to boston went rushing by and bessie still slept as quietly as an infant it was jenny who came at last and told him that she was awake and better though too weak to see any one thank god gray exclaimed and slipping a bill into the girl's hand he continued take good care of her jenny and when she is able tell her i came to see her and sure i'll tell her every blessed word and that you left your love i did not say that gray answered laughingly as he bade her good-bye and walked away 
for a week or more bessie scarcely spoke or moved it was such happiness to rest with every wish anticipated either by her aunt or jenny whose voice was a whisper most of the time and who was learning to be more quiet and subdued at last however bessie began to talk and said to jenny one day i believe i am getting better and i am afraid i am not as glad as i ought to be the world holds so little for me and so few who care for me beside auntie and you in faith jenny began is not for ye to be saying the likes of that nobody to care for you and dade with the gentry coming every day to inquire for you the priest a readin his prayers in this very room and the foine gentleman who was on the ship is sitting downstairs three mortal hours waiting to know if you waked up dead or alive and thankin god when it was alive i told him you was who jenny what gentleman bessie asked mr gray to be sure jenny replied and he left his compliments for ye and thanked god when i told him you was better oh but he's very fine and gray's park is like them places in the old country where the grandees live whether it was that bessie was thoroughly rested or that the fact that gray had not forgotten her was in itself a restorative her recovery was very rapid though she still looked like some fragile flower which a breath might blow away and miss macpherson watched her with a tender solicitude astonishing in one as cold and impassive as she had always seemed to be thirteen bessie goes to gray's park it was a lovely day in early october when bessie made her first visit to gray's park of which she had heard such glowing descriptions from jenny who took her there in an invalid chair sent for the purpose by miss lucy the grass in the park was fresh and green from recent rains and the late autumn flowers gave a brightness to the place scarcely equalled in summer oh how lovely it is pretty almost as the kensington gardens bessie exclaimed as she entered the gate and looked around her i think i should like to live here she continued and then there came to her a thought of gray who would probably one day be master of the place and she blushed guiltily as if she had said some immodest thing miss lucy met her at the door and taking her to her room made her lie down till they were joined by miss macpherson who came to lunch which was served in the breakfast-room and was just the kind to tempt an invalid bessie enjoyed it immensely and felt herself growing stronger and better in the brightness and freshness of this beautiful home which was one day to be gray's on the wall beside blind robins there was a picture of gray taken in europe when he was fourteen and just before the great sorrow came upon him and robbed his face of a little of the assurance and boyish eagerness which the artist had depicted upon the canvas but it was like him still like him as he was now in his young manhood when to do good to others to make somebody happy every day was the rule of his life and bessie's eyes were often fixed upon it as after lunch was over they still sat in the breakfast-room because of the sunshine which came in so brightly at the windows and while they sat there the elder woman talked of gray and what he would probably do now that his travels in europe were ended he ought to marry and settle down is there any hope of his doing so miss betsy said and lucy replied i think so yes i am quite sure of it if everything goes well as i think it will bessie was sitting with her back partly turned to the ladies who did not see the crimson spots which covered her face for a moment and then left it deathly pale as she heard that gray gerald was to be married for an instant everything around her turned black and when she came to herself she felt that she could not breathe in that room with gray's picture on the wall and his eyes looking at her as they had looked that day in rome when he had said to her words she would almost give half her life to hear again bessie was no dissembler she could not sit there in her pain and make no sign and turning to her aunt she said 
please auntie let jenny take me into the air i am sick and faint i she could not say anything more lest she should break down entirely and glancing significantly at each other the two ladies called jenny and bade her take her young mistress into the garden go to the rose arbour it is warmer there miss lucy said but only jenny heard for bessie was too conscious of the blow which had fallen so suddenly upon her to heed what was passing around her gray was going to be married her gray whom she now knew that she loved as she had never loved neil macpherson even in the first days of her engagement when he was all the world to her her gray who certainly had loved her once or he would never have said to her what he did her gray who had been so kind to her on the ship and looked the love he did not speak why had he changed so soon was it some love of his boyhood before he saw her and had it again sprung into being now that he had returned to its object and oh how dreary the world looked to the young girl with the certainty that gray was lost to her for ever she did not notice the fanciful summer-house into which jenny wheeled her did not notice anything or think of anything except her desolation and a desire to be alone that she might cry just as she had never cried before please jenny go away she said i would rather be alone so jenny left her and covering her face with her hands bessie sobbed piteously oh father in heaven is there never to be any joy for me must i always be so desolate and lonely and is it wicked to wish that i were dead for several minutes poor bessie wept on and then with a great effort she dried her tears and leaning her head back in her chair began to live over again every incident of her life as connected with gray gerald and while she sat there thus the boston train stopped at the allington station and she heard the roar and the ring as it started on its way twenty minutes later she heard behind her the sound of a footstep apparently hurrying toward her and thought if she thought at all that it was jenny coming for her but surely jenny's tread was never so rapid and eager as this nor were jenny's hands as soft and warm as the hands which encircled her face nor jenny's voice like this which said to her bessie darling bessie gray had come to allington from springfield where he had been on business for his father and both lucy and miss macpherson knew that he was coming and had chosen that day for bessie's visit to the park and had purposely talked before her of his probable marriage in order to test the nature of bessie's feelings for him we cannot be mistaken miss macpherson said to lucy after bessie had left them but let me manage the young man and when at last gray came and after greeting the ladies asked after bessie miss macpherson replied that she was better and had just left them for the garden and then as gray made no move to go in search of her she suddenly turned upon him with the exclamation gray gerald you are a fool yes he answered interrogatively as he regarded her with astonishment i repeat it you are either a fool or blind or both she continued but i am neither and i know you love my niece and she loves you and i know too that you think she is engaged to neil macpherson but she is not what gray exclaimed starting to his feet what are you saying i am saying that bessie's engagement was broken before she left england and that she-she what gray cried almost pleadingly and miss macpherson rejoined she is in the garden you will find her in the rose arbour gray waited for no more but went rapidly in the direction of the summer-house where bessie sat with her back to him and did not see him until his hands were upon her face and his voice said to her bessie darling bessie 
then she started suddenly and when gray came round in front of her and taking her hands in his kissed her lips she kissed him unhesitatingly and then burst into a paroxysm of tears what is it bessie why are you crying so gray said as he still held her hands and kept kissing her forehead and lips they said you were going to be married bessie sobbed as gray knelt beside her and laying her head upon his shoulder tried to brush her tears away who said i was to be married he asked in some surprise and bessie answered him your aunt lucy said she thought so and i-oh gray what must you think of me and lifting her head from his shoulder bessie covered her face with her hands crying for very shame that she had betrayed what she ought to have kept to herself what must i think of you gray replied why this that you are the dearest sweetest little girl in all the world and that i am the happiest man i do not know what aunt lucy meant by saying i was going to be married but i am and very soon too just as soon as you are able to be present at the ceremony will that be at christmas time do you think he was taking everything for granted and bessie knew that he was and knew what he meant but she would scarcely have been a woman if she had not wished him to put his meaning in words which could not be mistaken so she said to him amid her tears glad happy tears they were now whom are you to marry whom he repeated whom but you bessie mcpherson whom i believe i have loved ever since that christmas i spent at stoneley two years ago do you remember the knot of plaid ribbon you wore that night in which i won at play i have it still as one of my choicest treasures and the curl of hair which flossie cut from your head in rome when we thought you would die i divided that tress with jack trevelyan the night we talked together of you with breaking hearts because we believed you were dead he told me then of his love for you and i confessed mine to him though we both supposed that had you lived neil would have claimed you as his oh bessie those were dreary months to me when i thought you dead and may you never know the anguish i endured when i stood by that grave in stoneley and believed you lying there but god has been very good to me far better than i deserve he has given you to me at last and nothing shall separate us again while gray talked he was caressing bessie's face and hair and stooping occasionally to kiss her while she sat dumb and motionless so full was she of the great joy which had come so suddenly upon her and which as yet she could not realize we will be married at christmas gray said the anniversary of the time when i first saw you little dreaming then that you would one day be my wife shall it not be so what bessie might have said or how long the interview might have lasted we have no means of knowing for a shrill cry in the distance of none of that mister for i'm coming meself to take the hide of ye startled them from their state of bliss and looking up they saw jenny bearing swiftly down upon them with both arms extended ready for fight jenny who knew nothing of gray's arrival had visited with the servants until she concluded it was time to return to her young mistress as she came within sight of the summer-house what was her horror to see a tall young man with his arms around bessie and as it seemed to her trying to take her from the chair thieves and murder she cried if there isn't a spalpeen trying to run away with miss bessie body and bones and at her utmost speed she dashed on to the fray but at sight of gray she stopped short and with wide-open eyes and mouth surveyed him a moment in astonishment then a broad smile illumined her face as she exclaimed and faith that's right kiss her again as many times as ye likes it's not meself will interfere though if you'd been a blackguard as i thought you was i'd have had your heart's blood 
and turning on her heel jenny walked rapidly away leaving the lovers a very little upset and disconcerted it was gray who wheeled bessie back to the house and taking her in his arms carried her to his aunt lucy to whom he said as he put her down on the couch this is my little wife or rather she is to be my wife on christmas eve and christmas day we are to spend here with you who will make the old house brighter than ever it was before then going up to miss macpherson he continued kiss me aunt betsy because i am to be your nephew and because i am no longer a fool the kiss he asked for was given and thus the engagement was sealed and when next day gray returned to boston he said to his aunt hannah who was still with his mother bessie is to be my wife and i must tell her our secret and at your house too for after she has seen you i feel sure that she will forgive everything End of chapters twelve and thirteen